Okay, we'll uh, get this thing going here. Uh, we are uh, Second Thessalonians. Uh huh. You gotta go slower tonight. Well, I'm using one here. I haven't used either, so I'll, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little little bit differently designed in, in the area. It's pretty close though. Second Thessalonians 2.5 said, um, as we were looking at it last week, Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? That was the things about who uh, Antichrist is. Uh, he had already taught them about Antichrist in the short time that he had been with them. And uh, he is going to teach them more. Matter of fact, this chapter 2 of Thessalonians, chapter 2, uh, the first uh, 10 verses, 12 verses, uh, really have uh, as much or maybe more than any other chapter in the New Testament that uh, of Antichrist. Uh, so much information that's uh, about him. Of course, you think of Revelation 13 and... We have to think about Daniel, and that would be the foundation for this section that we're at. Uh, God gives Daniel the answer in the, uh, the form of this prophecy, and he says, I'll tell you not only what I'm going to do now for Israel, but I'm going to give you the whole history kind of, uh, of Israel and what, what's going to happen. Uh, and matter of fact, through Daniel, you get the whole history of the world. Uh, the, the empires and such, uh, just in 12 chapters in Daniel. But uh, God gives through Gabriel, the angel, to Daniel, the, the history, the future plan of Israel in uh, just really four brief verses in Daniel chapter 9. It's really incredible. Um, you remember that they um, Israel was conquered by Babylon and they were deported to Babylon for how many years? Seventy years. Jeremiah had even prophesied that. Daniel saw that and he goes, oh, the seventy years is about up. Uh, do you know why there was a seventy year captivity? Have any idea? Well, the reason there was a captivity of Israel for seventy years is because for over the course of like 490 years, they had not uh, done the Sabbath year. Every seventh year, you're supposed to work the land for six years and then one year to just let it rest. They didn't do that. And so it mounted up. And that was, that, in 490 years, it would be 70 years. And so they had the 70 years of captivity. Um, if you look in Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21... And as you're turning there, what we're going to do is pray, because we're getting into a very mathematical section. And when it even comes to simple math, I need a lot of help. Anyway, Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21. Put your finger there, put a bookmark there, and we'll just um, we'll pray for a moment. Lord, thank You for this Word and that uh, we get to look at tonight, be able to understand a little bit of what Your plan was all the way back before there was even idea what an Antichrist was and what the last day's uh, timing would be. Uh, you gave us much information, however, and You cover the history and You give details. So as we look at this tonight, help it... Help us become a little more clear on how you work your plan. 
and how you are true in every aspect down to the year, down to the day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we have Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21, right? It says, To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. That is, and of course Jeremiah was speaking of the 70 years of imprisonment, captivity in Babylon, and it's for this reason, as uh, in Second Chronicles it does mention the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. And so that's what God did. They violated it. It had to rest for those Sabbath years. And so now we know the, the 70 years. Uh, of course, if you take 70, this basic math, and I'm in trouble sometimes. What's 70 times 7? 490. And so not only is the 70 years going to be covered, but he's going to cover 490 years now in prophecy, uh, as in Daniel 9, or in that area, and show how God is going to deal with Israel. And of course, we know we live right now in, the, in an age of grace, an age where He's been dealing with the Gentiles. But all up to that time, He dealt basically with the nation of Israel. Not that He didn't pay attention to any other nations, but it was focused on them. And then at 70 AD, it was like His attention then turned to the Gentiles as a whole. Still yet, there are remnants of Jews that were being saved all the way out through this church age. But for the most part, it's been to the Gentile people. Uh, and then there will be a time when he'll come back, as in Romans chapter 11, where he'll turn his attention right back to the nation of Israel. And so that's where we get in, in Daniel chapter 9. Isn't that seven times, 70 times when... The apostle was like, how many times should we forgive someone? Like, 70 seven times, times 7, yeah. He uses the 7s, right? Yeah. And what is no, what number 7 mean? What What's the day of the Lord? A, a completion, oh. right? It's 7 times 7. Uh, it's even more so. <laughs> <laughs> times 7, times 7, times 7. And of course, what he was really putting forth, you know, you just have to keep forgiving them. You know, there's no end. It's not that you count it and say, okay, that's 490 times. I can't forgive you anymore. I will not. That's not what he meant there. but hyperbole. <laughs> hyperbole, yeah. Extended it way out there. So if they violated 70 Sabbath years, how many years did it span to take over all that time? Well, it would be the 490, which is what we're talking about. He says, I'm going to take an equal period of time of 490 years. I'm going to slice it out of human history and I'm going to deal with you. Um, so we, we look at Daniel 9. And the reason why we're going there for is because this would be an area that maybe, possibly, I don't want to read into the text, but that Paul would have used in teaching the Thessalonians about these last day teachings and one dealing with the Antichrist and uh, the day of the Lord. And Daniel 9.24 Gabriel's revealing this to Daniel. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. 
Now this is after, this is, Daniel was at the time of captivity. And of course the 70 year thing is there, but also now we've got to deal with 490 year span now is what he's going to deal with. 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity. Boom, you can slash that in half. Second part, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So, you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, now, this you know, Jerusalem has been destroyed, the temple destroyed and everything, right? At a, shortly you know, before this, and of course Daniel went on into Babylon, uh, but he says it's going to be rebuilt until Messiah the Prince. So this is going to be a, such and such a time, an amount of time from the time that that decree is issued to the time that Christ comes to Jerusalem. Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. How many weeks is that? 69 weeks, right? It will be built again with plaza and moat even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. The people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood even to the end. There will be war. Desolations are determined. And he'll make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he'll put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So, from the time of Daniel all the way now to the time that Christ will be coming back second time. Um, and, and the things that are set up uh, during that time just before He comes back. So, 70 weeks is the, is the time. 490 we say. And these are weeks of years. So when he says weeks, we're not talking about a week of seven days, but we're talking about a week of years. And to the Jew, to anybody who understood in uh, that uh, language, it would be 70 weeks of years or 490 years. And that's what God has laid down. That's getting pretty detailed to the time that Christ comes back a second time. But there's, there's going to be a delay. He'll do the 483, or the, how many weeks is that? 60, 69 weeks or 70 weeks, right? And there will be one week left. So 70 weeks is the time, 490 years, and He's going to take it up to the time of Christ. And that's what He's saying in whenever He says, it's been decreed for your people and your holy city, Jerusalem, Okay, yeah, and I'll try to go over this in a minute. I'll probably mess you guys up even worse. But he says, your people, your holy city. Uh, this is Daniel. Who's his people? This is Israel. Israel. And who's the, where's the holy city? Jerusalem, right. This is not some kind of um, floating thing that's you know it's to be taken spiritually and there's nothing in here really that we can really take uh, in its literal sense, right? I mean, that, <laughs> uh, 
uh, it, it is very literal. This and the detail of God here is it, you just have to be amazed as He tells them, "Here's here's how it's working out, guys. This is going to be this is my plan to finish the transgression." Now, this first part, the first three, are dealing with about getting rid of sin and providing an atonement and forgiveness. When did that happen? The work at the cross, right? So the first three are dealing with the first coming of Christ. And he says it's been decreed for this to happen. And it's going to start off when whenever he's here, he's going to make an end of sin. Of course, we can say, uh, yeah, but sin is still here. Yeah, it's even in the time of uh, the age of the church, if one wants to put it that way. It's still here. Christians still sin. But yet at the same time, we are forgiven people and He cast the sin as far as the east is from the west as far as our relationship with the Lord is concerned, that sin has been taken care of. Jesus says it is finished, right? And so that's the idea that He would be speaking of there. So it's to bring sin under control, to finish the transgression. He says, I'm going to judge it. That's the idea here. Bringing sin to its logical end it can only be done by the, the cross, the work of the cross. The next one is to make an end of sin. It's very much like what he's been saying here. I'm going to get rid of sin by judging uh, sinners. And to make an atonement for sin. That He provided atonement. Of course, that's really easy. That's, that's the cross again. There is forgiveness. So all those things were accomplished in the first coming of Christ. Uh, it, it is done. It, he dealt sin with its death blow, didn't he? And you look in First Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where is thy sting? And the victory has been done. Christ at the cross. And so that's what um, Gabriel brings out to Daniel here in this first part. But then now it's like there's a dividing line when he says to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now we have righteousness. We have righteousness that is put into believers. There is a righteousness that is being shown through God's people. And it is everlasting. But there will be a time when there will be everlasting righteousness put into place. When will that be? Starting with the kingdom of God right here on earth. With Christ ruling and reigning. That's, that would be the millennial kingdom. The kingdom of righteousness. It's ruled in righteousness. Righteousness fills the earth at that time. Uh, what's the next one? To seal up vision and prophecy. Now Daniel is getting a lot of visions, prophecy, dreams in this whole time period that he wrote the book of Daniel while he was in Babylon. And at the same time, there still were prophets after him. And then you get John the Baptist on the scene, which we've been studying in the book of Luke. And then you have some prophets or apostles in the New Testament. that, And we think of John wrote Revelation. But by the end of the first century, that was the end of that. But there will be a time when no longer will believers need to be taught like we are now. We will know these things. We'll just Really, our teacher is going to be Christ. Always, he always, he really is now, but and the Holy Spirit is with His Word. But uh, yet, we always constantly need to be teach, taught, don't we? Uh, pardon my English there, going going back a bit. <laughs> Teached. Um, that means 
things right now are kind of hidden and they have to be brought out into full view, there will be a time when the function of those mysteries and things of of, uh, deep truths will be brought out, out in the open, and as people will be understand those things. Um, So, then you should know me as you are known. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that. We look in a mirror dimly right now, don't we? We look into a mirror that's kind of made out of um, maybe like aluminum or, you know, you see yourself maybe sometimes in shiny pots and pans. That kind of mirror is what they used. Uh, but one day we will see clearly. We have spiritual cataracts. Hey, boy, that's a good way to put it. You can understand that, can't you? <laughs> right. Spiritual cataracts. I like that. Make a note of that one. Yeah, it's cloud, but we we can still see through those clouds. We know there's a sun shining through, and you can see a little bit of it. But you know, and we, we're try, we're peering in there. And we're trying to see more, you know. But and he gives us some, but we will see absolutely with pure clarity. Not more, not any more sealed up. And then he says to anoint the most holy place. That's the holy city of Jerusalem. That's the jewel of eternity. That's the capital city of heaven. And of course, that's where Christ will be ruling and reigning. And of course, that's where righteousness will extend from. The most holy place. There will be a temple, a new temple built built, uh, during the tribulation. That's a man-made temple that is built there. But there will be a temple that will be built for the kingdom that will be much more glorious and it will mean something. Anyway, that's the kind of things that will be done. Now, there's a there's a decree here. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people, your holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make an atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy place. So, you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree... So you have God's decree. That's the way it's going to be. But you're going to have a decree that actually comes from a king. Um, you think of Artaxerxes. And you think of uh, like the book of Nehemiah, for instance. Uh, he gives a decree that uh, Nehemiah would go back to Jerusalem and rebuild they had been doing some rebuilding, but it just kind of got stale and, and stopped. But there was a decree then that was issued that they would start that building. But And you think of it in Ezra also. Uh, but the decree of that time was a few years different than the kind of decree that would later be given um, that where Nehemiah did that. That, that was the decree of building the, uh, the city. And that was around 444 B.C. And there are people that will vary within a year or two of these. Some will say 445, and that's okay too. You can see why. Of course, there's a, there's a difference when calendars were made. You know, Think of the Julian calendar. Think of the, the Jews' calendar. We have to delineate that. But let's go to Nehemiah. Ezra, Nehemiah, chapter 2. Verse 
Nehemiah had been praying that he'd be able to do that. And so, uh, you remember the timing on that, how that worked out? God had him praying the right thing, and he was really concerned, though, if he dealt with the king and it was taken the wrong way, he could have his head cut off. So it came about in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. There really was a king, Artaxerxes. People can go back in time and find out when this was. And this was in his 20th year. So in 464 B.C. or 465 B.C. is whenever he started ruling. And 20 years later, here's where we're at here. Uh, the wine was before him. I took up the wine, gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and the gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, What would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. You can imagine, right underneath his <laughs> lips, his breath, he said, Lord, help me here. <laughs> I said to the king, If it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I gave him a definite time. He already had this all planned out, didn't he? He knew what he was going to say to the king beforehand. I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. Anyway, God works through all that. Uh, these letters protect him. He has soldiers to protect him to get there. And uh, they will uh, get that building going. They had started uh, the temple and you know they'd only gone so far. I mean, the walls need to be rebuilt. It was, it was a mess there. And so this decree that is given then by uh, the king, Artaxerxes, is the one we're talking about. This is when the clock started for these 490 years or 483 years if you may uh, to rebuild Jerusalem. I think that's what Daniel 9 says. So you're to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, so you have like probably 444 B.C. to 396 B.C., somewhere there about. So I don't even know if I can even put there, but it's uh, to probably about to the end of the time of Malachi and the Old Testament. And he's rebuilding Jerusalem. So you have 434 years later after the... Uh, we'll go into the... What is it? The 62... Uh, the 7... No, excuse me. Um, okay, there'll be seven weeks. How many years is that? Seven times seven, 49 years. Remember, this is to the Jewish calendar. So it's not talking about the 365 and the fourth solar days. This is the Hebrew calendar 
which is based on a 360-day calendar. So we have to be thinking in, in kind of their terms there, and that's kind of hard to do because that's where I really get confused. But he says to restore and rebuild until Messiah the Prince will be 69 weeks. So here's seven weeks and then 69 weeks. And so what do we have there? I think, what is that? Uh, I thought that was 400, 62. Huh? 62 weeks. 49, 62. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you have the 62 weeks, which is going to be, we would see as, and here's where it gets tricky, but like 480, no, yeah. there's 490. 483. No, that's 69. 434. So there's 49, let's just say 400, that's 49 years, right? A week of years. Okay. Okay. 49 years. So you've got up until they get the city built, and then you have this extra time. And what where what happens is that when you take the 434 more years or you put all those together, it's 483. We're talking 490 altogether, right? The clock is going to stop after 483 years have been done. He's adding this uh, 62 weeks, the 7 weeks, 69 weeks. We have one more week left. That week was not ticked off yet. That's what we're waiting for. That he will deal with Israel again. Four hundred eighty-three is one Messiah. Yeah, really, that's what it is. You add up the the sixty-two and the seven uh, seven weeks of years. That's four hundred eighty-three years, right? Uh, uh, as it says in twenty-five. Seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, or sixty-nine weeks, four hundred eighty-three years, and so there he's he's talking about building the temple. So this is definitely dealing with Israel, isn't it? We're going. Don't worry, Daniel. The temple is going to be rebuilt. I, I'll make a decree, and then the king, a king, will make a decree. We saw that he didn't say that, but that's a decree will be issued. And we now we know who that is. As they went to that, you you start doing the. The counting on this, and it's rather incredible because um, it talks about the Messiah here. Until Messiah, the Prince. Matter of fact, it goes all the way to the very day um, that he will be cut off. To restore, rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks, 62 weeks. It will be built again, plaza, moat, even times of distress. Then, after the 62 weeks, you've had the seven weeks, you have the 62 weeks. After that, the Messiah will be cut off. Yeah, Barb. Before you go any further, so you're saying in 444 B.C., Artaxerxes gave that decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Right. And that took... 49 years to build, rebuild that temple. And then it took another 434 years, right? So the 49 years would be the 7 by 7 to rebuild. And so that should be up to 483, right? And what's the other 62? Well, the 62 is would be the 434 years. 
That's after after the time. So this is like concurrent. You know, as soon as you get the, t he's telling how long it's going to take to rebuild the city. So it took them that long to rebuild. The right. City. Okay. And then at that time, the clock keeps ticking. So and now, 434 more years, and you add those together, we're up to 483. That will take you to the time of the Messiah at the very time that he will be cut off, or what? What's cut off? Crucified. Cut off. Have nothing, as it says here. Have nothing. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, no honor, no respect. Uh, his portion is really nothing to the people. It's like once what they once knew and understood that was theirs, they now no longer they've been disinherited for time. Is that how you? How would you say by the time of the Messiah to what he did for them all that time? Well, he's saying everybody's looking for the Messiah. He's telling them when the Messiah is going to be living on earth and he's telling them when he's going to be crucified, to be cut off. All the way to that point. Um, and so people are expecting you know, the Messiah, but whenever the Messiah comes... They don't receive him. His own received him not. But there it is. We've we've been given a prophecy, and Daniel is very well known by uh, Jews. Yes. Is there a significance to them dividing that sixty-nine weeks into seven and sixty-two? I I think probably what he's doing there is telling how long it's going to take to get the the city built, and then he adds on the rest of the time on to that time uh, of. Christ and his death. So it just took 49 to build it, actually? Mm -hmm. That's what he'd be saying there. And most of those years are where God does not even give prophecy. Uh, he, there's no revelation made for like 400 years. And then John the Baptist, and then Jesus. And then God is speaking again. So, um, in 26, after the 62 weeks, he could have said after those 69 weeks, but after those 62 weeks, that, and that's really basically time of not God revealing anymore. The Messiah will be cut off, have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the... Get that. And the people of the prince who is to come. Okay, and the best way to interpret this, th these are the people who are going to do something to the temple. Right? As he points here, they will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And in history, we can see when this happened. The, when was the city destroyed? 70 AD. 70 AD. Now, in 33 AD, we'll, we'll put it like that it can be sometimes it's numbered differently but let's say 33 AD Jesus being crucified within a generation within 40 years you had the city being destroyed he already told them that you're going to see the walls of this temple it's going to be scattered everywhere it's just everything's going to be laid down you know you're wondering at the marvel of this temple is a wonder of the world and he says why are you looking at that here's what's going to happen to it you know it gives them a prophecy right so, 
70 AD is a, is a huge point. And, and what we have here, if we know that, then we come back and says, you'll be cut off, he'll be cut off, have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come, and you could think, okay, that was the prince back at that time. But if you keep reading and you look down here, you can see where the end times kind of correlate with this 70 AD, only much worse. It'll extend out in a much more tremendous way as far as God's punishment. But he's kind of comparing that. But these are the people, the prince to come. Who were the people who were ruling whenever Christ was here on earth and whenever the city was destroyed? It was the Romans. Titus was the leader of that. And of course they besieged the city, captured it and destroyed it. Laid it flat. Everybody knows that. That's historical. So that would take us up to the time, let's take it to the time where Christ is cut off. If we look at that, it is the 483 years, but if you start calculating that, it won't come out quite right. And you say, well, how does this work out? And remember, it's remember the Hebrew calendar versus the calendar that is the calendar that we're used to and as far as the Romans are concerned. There is um, a man by the name of Sir Robert Anderson, and he was from, uh, of course, he was from the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, in England, and what he did was some mathematics, and he goes back using their calendar, um, very precise. The Royal Observatory, it's uh, the most extreme, precise calendar on earth that you can imagine. Isn't that where the world clock is? Exactly. Exactly. So our clock is based off that. The calendar was off that. So, uh, the Jewish calendar uses a 360-day lunar prophetic year. Um, there are leap months on specific years to, to accurately coincide with the solar cycle. It gets really confusing. I'm not going to go into all that math. Uh, and I'll just make it worse. If you if you take okay, seven plus sixty two is sixty nine weeks, right? That's to the time of the crucifying of Christ. If you take the sixty nine times seven, you get four hundred and eighty three years, right? I mean, God's telling us all this. This is just unbelievable <laughs> how how specific that He gets. And then you take. The 483 years, okay? We know we know how we get that, right? I'm probably writing sideways and backwards and forwards here, but you get you take that times 360 days a year in the Hebrew calendar. <clears throat> okay. What we're going to do is convert this to days, and this makes it a little bit more palatable. You ever counted days? You ever counted 173,880 days? Probably not. You are ancient if that be the case. But that's how you can convert those then back to what would be the years that we're thinking of. And that's how you can be at the decree that uh, Nehemiah understood and 
from those years all the way to 33 A.D., approximately, that should be pretty close, um, it's going to work out as 476 years if you do it by our calendar and the way that we know of it, but on March 14th, 444 B.C. or 445 B.C., depending, and remember, there is not a, there's not a year zero, and that's where we get into this one year thing, right? You have one year B.C. and then you have one A.D., but you don't have the year zero. Well, it went from one to one before to one after if you count back. Is that, yeah, that's the baseline. That's the help there. So, um, this Artaxerxes of Persia issued this command to rebuild Jerusalem, and we see that it's prophesied in Daniel that it's going to be 173,880 days, which is really going to be equal to what he's saying here as far as these 483 years. Uh, on, on March 14th, 444 B.C., Yeshua rode in to Jerusalem Palm Sunday and presented Himself as the King. And of course, He said that He would be riding on the foal, donkey, and, of course, the people put out the palm branches. I mean, this is like what they would do for a king. But he comes humbly. He should be riding a horse. But he's riding a donkey. When he comes back next time, he's going to be riding a horse. What he did was he presented himself to the nation that he's their king. And people are, you know, this is it. This, he is the one. He is the Messiah. It wasn't too long before that he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And the people from Jerusalem, the Pharisees, saw that happen. They knew the man was dead. What a miracle. And so for a few months later, he went up to, or down to, if you want to put it the way, but he went north into Galilee, did their last ministry, and then he came back to get arrested and then crucified. But you remember in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Israel. Behold your King, Messiah, is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, yet He is lowly and riding on a donkey. For those who have ears, let them hear. For those who have eyes, let them see. Do you get that? Out of Zechariah and that was written around 500 B.C. I think that's amazing. On the, on the 10th of Nisan, Palm Sunday, after all these years, to the very day, and that's what Robert Anderson did and some others have done, the sometimes give and take, the, there will be some variances, but I mean, we're, we're still talking. God knows exactly when it was. But I'm laying it out here. If you put it down in days, and, you, and if you were to count those, you would see that it would come out to that time period as they converted into the Hebrew calendar and the Nisan month. and That was his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, isn't that fascinating? Now, you've probably heard that, probably seen it many times and such. I've taught it quite a few times, but it's, it's a staggering. From the time of Artaxerxes to Palm Sunday, and uh, you've got this exactly. Who fulfilled all of these prophecies? 
Christ did, didn't He? The line of King David, born in Bethlehem. Only only Yeshua could have could have done that. So, um, the people of the prince to come later on at, after you've had then the Messiah being crucified. Then we know that the people come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. We have the date on that. Its end will come with a flood, even to the end there will be a war, desolations are determined. What he does now, he gets all the way up now to that 70th week. We, the clock stopped with, with Israel as far as what God was doing. There were 69 weeks, right? 483 years. He stopped, turns to the Gentiles. There's one week left because he said there will be 70 weeks. And then he brings that right to full attention. Even to the end there will be war, desolations are determined, and he will make a firm covenant. Who's the he? That's the prince who was to come. So within one sentence, it's like it's almost looking like the same time period. And that would be very hard to understand if you were if you were reading this for the first time. Daniel didn't get it. You know? You know he's blown away, and he says, "You know, seal it up, Daniel. You know, he, you know, he's trying to figure it all out." He says, "Well, when it's saying, and the people, I was trying to figure that the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary." Mm-hmm. That was then that in seventy A.D. Is the Antichrist right? Yes. Who will come later? Right. Okay. He is the prince who is to come. Now he elevates us to Those the time the period in the future. Christ, the right. The Romans. I get it. Does that help? <laughs> yes. That's always the best feeling, isn't it? And what does he do? He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. A covenant is made. It would be made with Israel for one week. We have how many weeks have gone by now of years? The sixty-nine weeks. Here's the last week or the last. Seven well, years. He jumped right into that, didn't he? Boom, I mean, he boom. didn't even make a paragraph here in my Bible. And how often does God do that? In the Old Testament, quite frequently. He'll be talking about something that will be happening there. And Jesus walked in the temple in his uh, only in his hometown in Nazareth. They handed him the scriptures. He read it, and he said, "Today, this will be fulfilled." He ta- and he's talking about right there. That that's me. That's the Messiah. But then he goes on and starts reiterating about things that are yet to come in the future when he will judge these people and and all that uh, the the judgment that to come. That's his second coming. So we have a first coming. We have a second coming. How much have I confused you by now? Is it worse than ever? No, this is, this is it helpful? Or yeah, it's it. <laughs> Uh, it's confusing. I, I, the, the, the are, I, I always thought that they were talking about the Lord, and the people and the people are destroyed, huh? So the people and the prince to come are the Romans. Are the Romans, and the it's prince the to come is the Antichrist. The prince to come. Now that would that could be understood as well. That's the prince, that, and he's coming. You know, at the he's same time with them. Again. But yes, you know, there was Titus, the general, who did that, but he. But he's immediately right after that he's talking about an end times thing here, and here's the covenant that's being made. One week equals seven years. 
There, it stopped. We have one week left. This is the final form of world government. Daniel is making this very clear of what will happen whenever uh, it starts off. He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week, and how long would that be? Seven. Half of that's three and a half. Um, Time times and a half a time. We talked about that last week. That's three and a half. Throughout Revelation, you will see the uh, the three and a half years. It's put in different ways, but it's like people people are saying, "Oh, you're making too much of the seven year tribulation." Now that that's a spiritual meaning, but um, there again, that means those sixty nine weeks really didn't mean anything either, did they? We have a real problem with God's Word then whenever He makes numbers and then not to understand them as something specifically. So um, this is a revived Roman Empire is what it is. The people and the prince, I think the, the this prince, this Antichrist, is going to come out of this revived Roman Empire. Uh, if we were looking Daniel 7, you look in Daniel 8, you look in Daniel 11, you will see this same individual that Daniel has been talking about, that Jesus talks about, that Paul talks about, that John in Revelation talks about. And then people say, well, that's just, it's an antichrist spirit. There's no such thing as a man. And yet Paul calls him the man of lawlessness. He will walk into the temple and cry out to make himself to be God. <laughs> you know, they don't want they want what they're saying is that everything has already been finished. And all we're waiting for is Christ to come back and we start the uh, eternal state. And that's it. There's nothing else to happen outside of Christ coming back. There's a lot of things to happen. Isn't that exactly what um Paul is talking to the Thessalonians about. They were told it was over. <laughs> right, right. There, there it comes in there, and they were, you know, boy, they were confused. Yeah. And Paul said, "Don't you remember these things?" So there you have the 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 sixty nine weeks, the one week, a covenant is made with the people, and. He even mentions the abomination of desolation. He'll make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. What does that tell us? There's got to be a temple built up. This is not the millennial temple, but this is the temple that would be in the tribulation. It's the tribulation temple. Where they will have sacrifices. You guys have heard often how they have... uh, Priestly garments now. They have people that are ready just to fill right in to be the priest. They they, you know, have revived the the tribes, made sure that people came from that, uh, that they will have everything ready to go into that temple. And they get it built. And you've probably seen many, many things on that. Okay, I got a question here. It says, "Shall end with the flood? The end of it shall be with the flood, destroy the city and the sanctuary." Is that that's not how the, the temple was destroyed? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. If we're taking literal, there, there, we're, we're talking about a, a monstrosity event. I think if you're looking back at 70 A.D. and how that whole um, thing went down as far as the Romans taking that city, 
and they burned it to the ground and and of course the the whole the, the big temple went and of course that would be one aspect of that looking back um, destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end will come with the flood immediately so you know it's going to be saying, rampaging they're not saying here that a bunch of water's coming in no huh they're no. saying that it's just going to be Force. Right. I guess if you're reading that, yeah, you oh, there's going to be like what? A lot of water. Yeah. <laughs> right. Was, was there a, and we we have nothing in history to to look no. at that with, but in history we can look back and see how it was destroyed. And yes, it was. It was overran by Titus and the Roman soldiers. They literally des- destroyed that, killed a, a, a million people. A lot of soldiers. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that wouldn't would not be too difficult looking back at. Even to the end, there will be war. So there was a great war there. I think he's even now, he's taking that even further out. There will be wars, rumors of wars. It'll continue. Desolations are determined. So all throughout human history, there's continued to be the wars. Jesus said it. Here's what's going to happen. Rumors of wars, we hear it all the time. In our lifetime, look through history, that's what it's been throughout man's time that he's been here, all during the, the time of the what we consider the, the church age. Um, but if we look back in Thessalonians, we're about ready to just put this one to sleep here for the for the night. But go back to Second Thessalonians chapter two, and of course here is the Antichrist who is mentioned as the man of lawlessness in verse 3, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. So there is a man that says, away with all the gods, I am it. That is the abomination of desolation. One who has the leadership over all the people in the world. This is what Satan has always wanted. He wanted people to worship him. Well, he's inhabiting, he's living in this man. And this is a literal man, but he's possessed by Satan. And people will bow down to worship him. And of course, we think of the beast, the false prophet... Uh, in Revelation 13, where this will happen, absolute worship of Him. He is it. He is the object of worship. He is God. So we we turn back to Matthew chapter 24. We see what Jesus says about this. And He's speaking about end times here get to verse 15 it says therefore when you see the abomination of desolation which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet what chapter was that what we just looked at chapter 9 verse 24 through 27 that whole area there through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place what did Paul talk about in 2nd Thessalonians let the reader understand he sent if you are living and you are here and you see this happen, get out. Go. Leave immediately. Don't look back. Get out. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. 
Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. How quickly can you move and get about, right? It's hard to run. It's hard to move. That's why he says, oh, that's, that's a tough time. Pray that your flight will not be on the winter or on a Sabbath. <laughs> Because they were really, you know, they're big into worshiping on the Sabbath and, and such. But these are the people that are the chosen ones that God will bring to Him. And even at the time that Christ comes back, they will look upon Him whom they pierced. Mourn for the only one, this one who is the Messiah. Spoken of in Daniel 12 and 13 and 14. Uh, did I say Daniel? I'm in Zechariah. And, of course, we could get into all that. But there's Jesus speaking about that. He's quoting who? Daniel. If Jesus is quoting Daniel about the specifics, wouldn't you think that Paul would have been quoting Daniel also to these Thessalonians? And also be saying, well, here's what Jesus said also. And, of course, John will pick up on knows this, and he will put it in his writings in uh, you know, 30, more, 30 more years or so from the time of Paul. Anyway, that's gotten to where we've uh, came up to the abomination of desolation, and that's probably about as far as we can go. Uh, sorry about taking all the time with the numbers and such, but it's always baffled me. I've counted and counted that, and and I know that it comes out right, but uh, well, and people want to pick and, and just—that's the first time that's been you know. It's not like it's not like. People don't know that the calendar has changed, and our calendar is different than the calendars were at that time. So when you break it down like 173,888, <laughs> and it comes out to something like our years would be 470 some odd years, and it's like oh, I'm seven years. Off the board in 83. What's that? Yeah. 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 But you know, when you that's where Sir Robert Anderson really come in handy. <laughs> it is exact and it's precise. It's just, you know, you have to have that mathematical mind. And, of course, that's where we've had scholars come in and said, here's where what it was. Here's when it happened. And there was Jesus walking into the city, you know, or riding on the donkey. For a user-friendly version, you can go to Zola Levitt. <laughs> that was, yeah, Debbie, you remember that? Remember those days? And yeah, you, you'd seen that. Of course, Penny, yes. Carolyn, there. You can, can yeah. put it out there and make it understandable. I used to show quite a few of his yes. little videos as we'd talk about these kind of things. You guys remember that? But Zola really gave me a lot of insight on these kind of things, and it was very, very helpful. So. Uh, we got we got to see a lot of Jerusalem. The visuals. Yeah. 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 Well, Might have to bring awesome. some of those little visuals back into yeah, play and kind of help us, you know, be able to put this together in the mind in the, the next week or so. Huh. Those are probably on eight tracks. <laughs> well, uh, just pop on YouTube anymore. <laughs> the VHS. Can you imagine me setting one up there and sliding that in there? <laughs> I, I did later develop to, 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 to I put a lot of those into CDs and tried to keep those and and then it was like why do I even bother anymore It's all out there on YouTube you know yeah. or go to Zola's you know it's yeah. all there yeah. uh, or you know but 
But Perry, those who's that Perry Stone? That he <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Debbie about that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh -huh. This is probably a first, but just for the record, I am freezing. Huh. <laughs> All right. I was gonna. Uh oh. Wait a minute. I was getting ready to put the fan on back there tonight. 